Hello, I'm Alberto Salvato. Welcome to Crime Time, a Virginia criminal law podcast. I'm here with Anna Dvorak, Anthony Norse, and Ann Thayer. Enjoy the show. So here it is, legal disclaimer, because we are lawyers and we've got to write one. So if you are listening to this podcast, thank you. We sincerely hope you are listening to this podcast for its entertainment value and not with the intention of acquiring legal advice for any individual case or situation. I mean, come on, you wouldn't take advice from someone you have never met or spoken to directly, right? If you were bleeding profusely, you wouldn't listen to a podcast in hopes of a bandage somehow materializing over the internet and onto your 3D printer. Seeking actual legal advice can be just as important as a tourniquet. The hosts of this podcast are in no way intending to create an attorney-client relationship with any listener. Sorry, we are sure you all are great people, but we cannot stress enough how little we know of you and your case. And rather than risk an awkward moment, let us just remember we have never met. Nothing on this platform should be taken as legal advice for any individual case or situation. We are just a group of friends with differing opinions and viewpoints, which we will try to explore through discussions of current events, law changes, and whatever else floats our fancy. In this episode, I was going to pay it back. We're talking about embezzlement. All four of us have had many clients charged with embezzlement. And embezzlement's when you take from someone in a place of trust so that you're in a place of trust with them means your employer, or if you're working for someone in a volunteer capacity, but have access to their information. But anytime someone trusts you with something else and you take advantage of that situation and use it for yourself. So that's sort of the basics. Alberto has had many clients who've done this, and I think he can kick it off with a couple of stories. Sure. It, it usually, in these cases, uh, in my experience, they usually start off with a job, say, at a department store or a Best Buy or something like that, an employee who has a duty that, you know, boss puts a lot of trust in their employees and they trust the employee is not going to be putting their hands in the cash register and pulling money out or taking advantage of any of these discounts, or we've already done a five-finger discount, but maybe like a sale discount or adding something, an additional discount in the, in the register before checking out. That's the majority of the cases I've seen. That's when the embezzlement comes in. And when they find out, it's usually because a person continues to do the embezzlement and didn't stop when they should have, which they shouldn't have began in the first place. But the employer finds out that they've been getting robbed and they call the cops and then they come see one of us. And as I'm talking, I got a, a message from Best Buy, which is really weird because I think Google. <laughs> what did you time. steal from Best Buy? <laughs> I didn't steal anything from Best Buy, but I go to Best Buy a lot. I'm there all the time. And I think they think I work there. Matter of fact, I help people all the time. But <laughs> So your clients get caught at Best Buy and you go to Best Buy a lot. I see how this is going. And then there is some sort of discount you get. Got it. All right. That seems to work Tony, out. Tony, you should have gone there for your computer. <laughs> I know. With well, it's really, got, got it's really awkward. It's really awkward when you go to Best Buy and you see like the security guard there and you recognize them from a court appearance. And you're like, oh, <laughs> you kind of, you know, it's just really awkward. Anyway, we're going on a tangent. Back to embezzlements. Right. And so you know, a lot of times, I mean, the easy cases. So you have a client who's a cashier at, say, at McDonald's, at a Best Buy, at any restaurant where there's easy cash. And a lot of people who take money from those situations, they often take it because they're short for a month. They're short for rent. They're short for bills. They've got to get new shoes for your kids for school. And so they take a little bit out of the register thinking, I'm going to pay it back. I'm not a bad person, but I really need this money and I need it at this moment, but I'm going to pay it next week when I get paid. And they may know that their boss doesn't check the register and maybe they're the ones that 
you know, reconcile the register tapes so they can make it come out okay and falsify that information just for a couple of times. And they think, I'm never going to do it again. I'll pay it back. It's not a big deal. What happens is that that's not what happens. They are short the next month for rent. They're short the next month for bills. There's always something. And then it becomes easier and easier when they're not caught. But eventually it snowballs. Eventually someone notices and they're confronted. And oftentimes, even though we have admonished everyone in Virginia through our podcast earlier episode saying, shut the front door, they write out a full confession to said employer as to how they were doing. And they would like the opportunity to pay it back, thinking that it's not really a criminal activity because they don't think of themselves as criminals. But in fact, it is a crime. Well, not only that, now with video, I've seen so many video recordings or digital recordings. And, you know, these big companies have people who are devoted to checking out these videotapes and and they find people taking money out, employees taking money out of the cashier. And oftentimes the employee doesn't think that they're going to be seen because there's so many other people in the store and they're obviously not going to be watching me because they trust me. And I've seen that happen. I've seen people get busted because of that. But this is just, I mean, embezzlement but it's can be not much just, more. But it's not just from stores. Like right. you have people that work for law firms or for other big companies where they have Absolutely. access to like the credit cards or the company checks, or, you know, they're writing themselves a little extra paychecks or they're ordering things on Amazon from the credit cards and mixed in with different office supplies or party needs for a function that they're organizing, you know, for their business. And next thing you know, the business owners figuring out or they're going to their tax guy or their accountant and they're like, hey, what are all these charges? for. And the next thing you know, you've got thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars a lot of times. And some of those cases don't go well. And sometimes they do. And a lot of it comes down to how much and when you can pay those things back. If you can. I mean, imagine there's some cases going to the millions of dollars that it's just embezzled. And I always wonder, like, if this company didn't realize millions of dollars weren't showing up, I mean, they must be beyond wealthy. They must have so much money that they could let that slip by. Or it's a Um, trust thing. Like when you have people, like you trust that your people are doing what you hired them to do and you get to be friends with people or you just get to rely on them and you would never occur to you that somebody is going to take that from you because you've been so good to them. And a lot of, a lot of times they're close or they get along really well, or they're a very valued employee. And then lo and behold, whoops, like they've been taking a lot of money. And then that's an even more hurtful thing because not only have you lost all these funds that are part of your business that were yours, but you're also in a position where that trust factor has been broken and it makes it hard to want to hire people in the future and know who to hire or how to hire. When it comes to some of those big amounts that are taken, I had a case where over about a year of time, $100,000, maybe it was even more than that, $100,000 was taken from a nursing home. And it was what Ann was saying was on like the debit card or the credit card to order party stuff or other things that were needed. And that particular person would make you know, like a $50 extra charge or $20 extra charge here or there for things that they, that person needed. So when that whole order came, they would take their thing. And when it came down to it, the person was like, I can't believe it was this much money because it was just a little bit at a time. And it never seemed like it always just seemed capable of putting it back. But when you know that person was like $100,000, how am I ever going to pay that back? And the reason they took so long to figure out was it was a $20 charge here with a bunch of legitimate charges. So you wouldn't notice it right off the bat. And then they do an audit of their books and they say, crap, we've lost all this money. Why are our expenses so high over time? It surprises our clients when they're suddenly confronted with, with all these bank statements and just everything comes crashing down. What makes it embezzlement 
besides larceny, because it's still, we're talking about the same thing. You're stealing something that's not yours from someone. What makes it different is that element of trust, that fiduciary duty that you have with the person who owns that object that you're stealing, whether it be money or whatever else, it's usually financial. But oftentimes, and Tony was, uh, we were talking about this before, but judges treat embezzlement harsher than a typical larceny case because of that violation of trust. It's an extra element. It's as if if I, running a firm, were to hire an accountant and they have my accounts, they have all access to my accounts and they're preparing my books. The last thing that I would ever think that they would do, hopefully, is take my money out and then put it in the books some way that that they're hiding it. Meanwhile, it's just going right into their pockets. My trust is what set me up to be a victim. And it's what would ultimately would destroy me. And it's also something that people really don't think they're going to be found out, whether it's through a trust relationship, like an accountant, a bookkeeper, a loyal office secretary in a law office. I mean, that has happened, I don't know how many times in Fairfax where law firms have, every few years, you get a law firm employee who's embezzled money from the trust account, which is bad for us lawyers. And it really is, people just don't realize how you create these relationships and you want to rely on these people. and. You want to delegate this information or this job, and you're really causing a huge problem for yourself because once you go in front of a judge, a judge is like, the only way businesses thrive is that they be able to trust their employees. And you have caused such harm, and this business will never work as well, or you may have bankrupted the business. And as Alberta was saying, you often go to jail. There are very few times when you get a full probation sentence with embezzlement if it goes into a felony. There are other things that we can do as defense attorneys in an embezzlement case, especially if it's not that much to keep it out of the felony range and out of jail time. But it's just such a worse choice when it comes to stealing. Well, and it can weigh on you too. Like hypothetically, I might've had some clients over the years that the guilt of stealing from a boss that they really liked and that's been good to them, even though they might've needed the money, whether they were using it for rent or to go buy just luxury items or whatever they were doing, sometimes it weighs on people so much that they end up turning themselves in because the guilt they feel is so awful. And that's how I've had potentially some clients that have been caught in the past. Like they ratted themselves out because they couldn't take it anymore. It was causing them some mental health distress, like feeling so bad about what they had done and not knowing how to fix it. And then it's gone down the criminal route when they were just trying to come clean with what they had done. And I think like Part of this podcast is a public service announcement for small business owners. I mean, larger businesses have to rely on accounting departments and check writing departments. There often is embezzlement from those types of entities. They're not immune from it, but there are more checks and balances. But in a small business, one, as we've all said, you really have to be aware of who you can trust. But if you're one or two people in your business, you may not want to give your bookkeeper, even though it's easier, check writing authority. You may not want to give the guy who runs errands for you the company credit card that one time. You may not want to trust people with those things. It's easier, it's more convenient, but you really need to protect yourself because you don't know what's going on in your employee's life. And as much as you like them and as much as you trust them, things happen. You want to need to protect your business. You don't want to put your business in, at the whim of somebody else who's having a hard time and is tempted to do something that they shouldn't because you've given them the means to fix their problem temporarily. And the temptations there, you know, as a small business owner and you have some clients who prefer to pay cash, I mean, you really are relying on your staff to be honest with you. And sure, the truth will come out eventually, but 
and maybe several months down the road when the person will no longer be able to pay you back when you notice that the money is not there. So A, it's very important to keep your record clean because for you to get a job in the first place, employers do look for convictions involving crimes of moral turpitude, and specifically in this case, larceny, because chances are they're not going to hire someone with a record of stealing because they don't trust you to handle those financial transactions in your, in your own business. Well, um, the only caveat I would say to that is they'll, I would prefer a larceny on my record than embezzlement. True. That says you steal from your job. You're you're right. You're you're right. You're absolutely right about that. Yeah, I was trying to head that way. You're right. Embezzlement's ten thousand times worse than larceny. Not ten thousand. Maybe if there was like. I, a- I but I agree with you. I think it is ten thousand. I think that it's viewed that way. I think because our whole system of like living right relies on trust. Whether I'm a customer at a store, I work at a store. You know, I have employees. I need to trust that you got my back, and not like stealing out of my back pocket. And that's just how institutions work. And when people steal, it's like when politicians steal from PACs or they get kickbacks or things like that, the system doesn't work anymore. And we are trying to instill in people that this isn't like, you know, you're hungry and needed a loaf of bread and so you stole it. Okay, we get that a lot more, but you're taking from people that you trust, that people that trust you is just, you're killing one of the bedrocks of society. And the more money you owe, the the longer you're on probation because Virginia rules require you to be on probation to monitor the restitution now. And then eventually if you're not paying those payments can get reduced to a civil judgment against you, which is a whole other set of issues that you have to deal with, or you're having to report to probation and be monitored by them for a much longer period of time than you otherwise should have been. Yeah. Having bad credit comes real close to having a bad criminal record. If you have a civil judgment for X amount of money, it's going to hurt you. It's going to be hard for you to get any sort of a a loan for housing, for for cars or anything like that. Credit cards. Now, when you're looking for a lawyer and you've been charged with something like this, or you think that's going to happen, hopefully you've listened to our podcast, you haven't made any statements to the authorities and you haven't done other things like that. You know, talk to a lawyer about what can happen in this case in your jurisdiction or what you need to do. Oftentimes, as I said, don't talk to authorities, don't give up evidence on yourself, but then you, you've you got to start, you know, collecting some money. Well, Anna, you Be- just made a good point. Sometimes they'll try to say, well, if you just admit to this and get on a payment plan, that'll be fine. Or we won't go file charges or things like that. But Or sometimes the company's already called the police and the investigation's underway and the charges are coming and it's not up to them anymore. Once it's charged, it's going to be up to the prosecutor how they decide to handle your case. And so sometimes signing those agreements there in the office when they've caught you and you think, okay, this will keep me out of jail and I'll just pay this back. It doesn't always go that way. Yeah, Sometimes and I've it, seen it called an apology letter too. They say, we just want you to apologize to us, write it down on this paper, what you did and how sorry you are. And that's going to be the conclusion of it. But that's actually just the beginning of it because you just confessed. I did see it one time where it was one of these like conversations, like show us how you did it. So it won't happen again <laughs> and <laughs> educate us and we'll make this go away. And it actually went away, but the person was already charged. So you actually have to have a Commonwealth attorney involved to come up with some sort of an agreement like that, where you can sit down and get that taken care of. So I can how see you where a company would want to do that so they can figure out ways to make sure it doesn't happen again. That's probably going to be more helpful to them than prosecuting somebody. Yeah. I mean, because the other thing, hey, give me a felony. I'll tell everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's extortion. No, I'm just joking. I'm not sure yes. if it is or not, but... <laughs> 
No, well, the, the no, bottom line it's is not. this is a crime of moral turpitude that businesses and places you're trying to apply for, schools, all kinds of places look at a little bit more seriously than they would just a simple, okay, I took that shirt when I was out shopping the other day. Yeah. And it's hard to get jobs with an embezzlement on your record. I mean, I know I've had clients who had their restitution to reduce their judgment because they had one charge on their record, which was a felony embezzlement. And they couldn't pay the money back. They couldn't get a job. They couldn't do anything. It was a mess. And finally the judge set it for judgment. But I mean, the person's life was in a shambles. She'd always worked. It it really just kind of is a, a game changer. I mean, if you're wealthier and you can have, you know, people give you a job again or do other things, you know, maybe you'll land on your feet. But even then I've seen cases where you'll have repeat offenders who come from wealthy families. And that first time, maybe they got helped out, but the second time there's nothing that can be done. And one thing I want to point out, and I know it's it's backtracking a little bit, but for people who work in, in stores, giving your employee discount to others, that's something that I've seen many times. And that is an abuse of your employee discount and employers do not like that. And they will charge you or try to get that money back one way or the other. But that's an embezzlement. You are stealing from them. And or even also modifying talk- the amount of the discount. If you give yourself more of a discount than you're entitled to, that's another form. Mm-hmm. And you can also talk about like, you know, if you're a white collar worker and you got an expense account, don't put your bachelorette party on your expense account. It happens. People do it. They have the credit card. They think they'll pay it back or they're like, nobody ever notices. Other people get away with it and they think, oh, that guy got away with it. I'm going to do this. And you see that kind of abuse. Sometimes companies, they're embarrassed by that happening. But if it's egregious, they'll bring charges and it can be life destroying. So, you know, just don't think that you're not going to get caught just because, you know, that other guy didn't get a ticket for being in the no parking sign parking there. It's just like, people always think, well, he didn't get caught. Why am I? And it's just like, well, it's the luck of the draw, right? Um, I'll say this, this isn't to encourage anyone to embezzle because I do not want anybody to do that. But there are issues in these cases sometimes when they bring them to court because the companies don't keep the proper records or the prosecutors can't get the records, the right records that they need, or they can't, maybe there's a lot of money missing and they they swear that it has to be you, but it might not be you. And without admissions or video or actual, if you're the only person that had that card, I mean, without the proof and the evidence to corroborate, like who's really taking this and how much it was and that it wasn't business related or whatever the circumstances are, these cases can be tough sometimes. Right. Very, the prosecutors do not like embezzlements. It's very hard to prove. It's so paper intensive and you have to dot a lot of I's and cross a lot of T's. And it's just really hard to do that. The chain of custody for many of the pieces that you need is just, it's infinite. And again, um, we're not encouraging embezzlement. Please don't. <laughs> no, no, we're not encouraging crime. It's just that there are issues. And again, like there's always issues. I mean, you have rights not to talk to the police. Don't talk to the police. You don't have to sign any statements you don't want to. You know, you might say, well, I'm going to lose my job. And you're going to lose it anyway if you admit to embezzling money. But also there are situations where we've had clients wrongfully accused of embezzlement. So you have situations where there are multiple people who have access to a lockbox and someone points a finger at someone else and says, well, she's the last one in the room. And that's, I know I put the bag there or so-and-so put the bag in the safe and she had access to the safe. And when we got here in the morning, it was gone. And there are issues with those cases when multiple people have access, as Anne was saying, but sometimes people get scared. They think that there's enough evidence. They get offered back in the day. And even still, like, let's say the prosecutor didn't think they could make the felony because they have evidentiary issues. Well, they might offer a misdemeanor and the person takes it because they're afraid of becoming a felon or going to jail or going to jail. Absolutely. And that's something that 
if you have good issues in your case and you have a good lawyer who's negotiating on your behalf, if you're going to consider a plea in a situation where you believe you're not guilty and you haven't done anything, but you're doing it to protect yourself, you really need to think about what you're pleading to and what charge it is. Because sometimes embezzlement misdemeanor and embezzlement felony have a similar effect on your employment record and your ability to get a job. So I think we're ready for maybe a final word or a phrase. And I think it's <laughs> just one word. Oh, no. Just, just don't do word? drugs. No. <laughs> A word or a phrase is like charades. So we're like, sounds embezzle, like. Embezzlement is wrong. Don't embezzle. <laughs> like, don't be a jerk. Don't steal from the people that trust you. I will tell this little story. So I did some contract work for this older lawyer that I've known for years. And he's like 83. And he met my assistant. And he was talking to me about his bookkeeper. And he's like, you know, I let her do everything. She writes checks. She could be stealing from me blind, you know, but I trust her. You know, like you trust her. She seems super reliable is pointing at my assistant. If you give her any trust, she could just steal from you. That's the ones that do it. And I was like, so you're just pointing at my assistant and telling me like to watch out for her stealing from me? Like, <laughs> bizarre like, conversation. <laughs> like, it was so bizarre. I was like, see, you shouldn't, you shouldn't steal from me because I know. Apparently he knows. It could happen. So I told my friend that I didn't trust her that much. We weren't that close. So... <laughs> But it was one of the most bizarre conversations I've ever had. But it goes back to what we all said. The p- person who steals from you is not the person you're like, I knew it was you because you were so untrustworthy. I gave you all the passwords oh. to my computer, right? <laughs> it's the person that you think would, would, would go on it. the mat for you, who you know would lay down anything for you. I have no other final words of wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us on Crime Time with Virginia Defense Attorneys. We hope you listen to our next episode.